I want you to know that there are times when the church will do things in the natural to provoke something in the spiritual. This leads me into the last portion of, of the nine gifts, but it does not end our understanding of the gifts of the Spirit. Now, there are gifts of the Spirit, and there are gifts given to the church. Not all of them are the same. As we've been talking about over the span of several months now, um, some of these gifts are supernatural gifts, and that's the, what we're talking about. There are nine categories of supernatural gifts. We've discussed those initial gifts, and we've talked about the gift of discernment, discerning of spirits, both the human spirit, demonic spirits, and even the Holy Spirit to discern that. It's a supernatural gift. It occurs at unique times. The word of wisdom and the word of knowledge, those are things that God gives to people for understanding or to give direction. And then the three power gifts. We've talked about the three power gifts. And when you see the working of miracles and and you see the gifts of healing and the gift of faith, those are power gifts. Tonight we are now looking at the three remaining gifts and these are gifts of utterance these are spoken gifts of the spirit so on your handout i'd like to just kind of go through a little bit and exegete some of these verses here in our hearing first corinthians 12 and 4 there are diversities of gifts but the same spirit there are differences of administration but the same lord there are diversities of operations, but the same God that worketh in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing, again, to another work of miracles, prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another divers kinds of tongues. Divers means different types of tongues. To another the interpretation of songs tongues but all these work that one and that self-spirit he gives to everyone as he will so a few points just to ponder about those initial verses verse four five six and seven if you look at verse four differing gifts for differing uses now Paul is going to continually invite us to consider the same spirit. It's important because the spirit is not divided against itself. The spirit is not in opposition against itself. The spirit does not work in one person to, to cause confusion in another person. Um, this may not make sense to you, but I will help you with this in a moment. We would think that that's understood. However, there are places <laughs> where people are using gifts, but they're in contradiction to one another. They cannot be in contradiction to one another if they are given by the same Spirit of God. Verse 5, administrations, that is, services or ministries. And in this particular verse, we're talking about the who, or who is used. 
the ministries, the administrations. So when Paul uses the word administrations, of course, that's the, that's coming, coming from the Greek word. That is not an administration like a church administrator. But we're talking about those who administrate that or the person. There are different people who administrate that. That's the who. Number six or verse six. There are diversities of operations. So that's the way in which the gifts are working. The operations, the way they are working. So it's different ways that they work for the construction of the body. But it is the same God that works. So that's the how of it. It's the way. Or we would consider it the how of these gifts. And finally in verse 7, it's the commonality of all the gifts. But the manifestation of the Spirit is to profit. It's the commonality for all the gifts. All the gifts are meant to profit. Profit means increase. It does not mean subtraction. So it's got to profit. So if, you, if you're confused about that, see verse 12. Because verse 12 talks about the whole body. This is the whole body. So I'm going to use the word body tonight instead of the word church in most of my teaching just to indicate that the body can operate outside of the church building. The church is the church. Wherever you are, you are the church. I got it. But just to to differentiate, these gifts can be used in your home in a small group setting where two or three agree in the name. In my name, Jesus said. So these things are not confined to Sunday morning or Sunday night. All right. Everybody okay? Still with me? I didn't lose you, did I? Okay. So I'm, this is just solid stuff. If I get excited, then I'm not planning on it, but who knows? Duck. Everybody just duck. Okay. So we're talking about the gifts of utterance because these, these three particular gifts are the gifts of utterance. And, and I'm just going to identify them, but you're going you're to understand. It doesn't mean that the word of wisdom is not the gift of utterance. Or it's not uttered, rather. But it falls into a different category. So the first gift of utterance is prophecy. Everyone say prophecy. We're going to come back to that. Diverse kinds of tongues. And it should have said kinds instead of kings, but let's just go with it. Kinds of tongues. The interpretation of those tongues. So those are the three things. So, so there's different types of tongues and the interpretation of tongues, but the word is first is prophecy. Now, prophecy is, is a spiritual gift. This is a spiritual divine impartation from God to you For the purpose of declaration. When someone is used in the gift of prophecy. It is not for a personal consumption. It is a gift of utterance to be spoken to someone. There's two parts of prophecy. The gift of prophecy follows the office. And I've got to get to the offices so that we can differentiate between the two things that are happening. Prophecy is, first, it's foretelling. Now, everybody would consider that common or the most reasonable thought that prophecy is foretelling. That means it's revealing a future event. Prophecy preachers or teachers or those people who do this 
Everyone would consider them foretelling the future. It's a foretelling. It's not the only way that a prophet operates or the gift of prophecy operates. The other part is forthtelling. That revealing that reveals or revealing the present. So one part can reveal the future and the other part can reveal the present. One, the first part that everyone knows about is something that has not happened yet. God is going to do this. The other part is forthtelling. Now that is akin or could be to the word of, of, of knowledge. That God would give you knowledge about a certain thought or something's happening now. Because the word of knowledge operates very much like the second part of prophecy. It's not the same, but it operates. Both parts are given by the same spirit. So a prophet or the, or the person who's used in the gift of prophecy, both, could foretell or to declare a certain thing that's happening right now. Something's happening right now. Um, one, one time I was in the service and, and the pastor, he, my pastor was preaching and he was preaching about faith. He was preaching faith and, and what God would do and the faith of Abraham. And I, I'll never forget, he was walking across the platform and all of a sudden, out of the blue, this was very uncomfortable, he turned and he said, you are living in adultery right now and God knows exactly what you're doing and it will be exposed within the next 30 days. Then just as if he never, never had another thought, went right back to Abraham's faith. I didn't know who Abraham was after that was over. I didn't even know what you're talking about. All I can think of, man, who is that person? Oh my God. Well, find out. 30 days, we'll find out. Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Uh oh, somebody. I knew it wasn't me because I wasn't married. Adultery means you had to be married. Praise God. <laughs> Not me. Okay. So, <laughs> a little disconcerting to say the least. Now, let me just pause and talk to you about prophecy. We sometimes get enamored with the use of the gifts. I'd like for you to have respect of the Spirit, but we ought to have so many operations of the supernatural gifts that we're no longer surprised that they operate in the church. Let's banish the thought that this is some kind of ice cream or some kind of icing on the cake. The supernatural gifts were given to the church for the purpose of the body. We should have the operation of the gifts all the time. We shouldn't walk out and say, oh my good, can, can you imagine the prophecy came forward tonight? It should always come forward. Forthtelling and foretelling should be regular among the people. It was in the early church. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, all those things. Let them flow in the church. We ought to be praying for all these things to happen. Discerning of spirits is a, is a protection from your, for your own walk with God. You can discern what spirits are approaching you. There are spirit, aligned spirit. I didn't, I really didn't think that when I was young, except God said in the Old Testament He would send a lying spirit. Go read it in your Bible. So He sent a lying spirit to the king. 
So, God also sends a spirit of delusion. Did you know that? And you know a delusion that's sent from God? It feels just like the truth. A delusion from God feels, looks just like the truth. He'll send you a strong delusion that you should believe a lie. People will, will promise or swear a solemn oath that something is true if God sends them a delusion. You don't want God to send you a delusion that you should believe a lie. Why would people receive that? Because the Bible says, those that love not the truth, they received not the truth, they rejected it, they cursed it. And God sent them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Can you imagine people are walking around today believing a lie? God sent them that lie. Why? Because they had the truth and they rejected it. Oof, that, that really gets me right there. Of course, we're not really, we don't really know how this works because we're really, we've gotten this modernized version of the Bible, you know, this American version, you know. How about Paul when he said that he turns someone over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. Uh-oh. Well, we, we pray for mercy. How about, how about sending him over to Satan? No. You know, I pray hedges around people. I pray hedges around all the babies that I dedicate. I pray hedges of blessing around all the people who are faithful in their tithe. That wherever they go, wherever they get to the hedge... It's a wonderful, it protects them from the rust and the moth that corrupts their finances. I also pray hedge of thorns around people. I was taught this when I was young. You want to destroy everything? You want to damage everyone? You want to get out there? I pray hedge of thorns around everybody that the pit where the prodigal ended would be their end. Not so that they could suffer but so they can awaken and say it's better in the Father's house. I don't want anything working out for the backslider. I want it all to go down. I want them to grovel. I want them to get to the pit. I want them to finally look up and say, man, I wish I could get back to church. If I could just get back to the house of God, I could be fed. Because when they come back, we're going to have a party. When they get back, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna shout like it's the greatest day ever. We're going to come back, we're going to dance and say, thank God they're coming back. But some of them won't get back until we turn them over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. Okay, well, this is the Bible. Argue with God. If you don't like it, argue with God. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. We don't always deal with these things. But when you get into the church, there should be the operation of the Spirit. And discerning of Spirit sometimes protects me from the people that I am not aware of. Or I don't know them. So now I'm in this utterance of prophecy. I, would, I, I hope that you understand that prophecy often comes forth while the preaching is, is being conducted. Not always, but sometimes. Okay, so the fourth telling is, is the revealing of things. Now, let's just talk about the five offices found in Ephesians 4. Five offices found in Ephesians 4. And there's a reason why we need to discover these in detail. And I'll give you probably a little bit more that's on your page than, than that's on your page. So, he gave. Who's he? Anyone know what that pronoun is? God gave. Ephesians chapter 4, it's on your handout. God gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Here's the reason. For the perfecting of the saints. 
for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. God gave five offices. These are offices. These are offices. Let's just do a little description of the offices. Teachers are diggers. They dig out truth. They dig. They dig. They uncover. You can write the word uncover. But the office of the teacher also establishes other teachers. Not necessarily other offices of teachers, but they establish other teachers. The teacher provides understanding. So understanding always comes through the teacher. Any teacher that you've ever had gives you understanding. When you lead the class, if you don't understand, they were a bad teacher. <laughs> okay. Teaching is divine instruction. It's divine instruction. Preaching is divine inspiration. But teaching is divine instruction. This is the office of a teacher. They were called to be a teacher. Um, we don't really know what to do with teachers. Um, a lot of the Christian movements have not recognized teachers um, because we didn't give a place for teachers. They sought another office. Um, sometimes evangelists. I will tell you, Brother Woodward is not an evangelist. He does not hold the office of an evangelist. The problem is so many people hear him, they don't know what to do with him. He is, an teach, he is a teacher. He holds the office of a teacher. Even though he is the senior pastor of the church in Canada there, he'll tell you that, his, that the pastor that he's installed, Brother Pastor Jack Lehman, who's there, no relation to Austin Lehman, wherever you are, he is the pastor. But Brother Woodward holds the office as a teacher. He's so profound because we've demeaned the office of a teacher. We didn't lift them up. We didn't think that was very good. Everybody wanted to be the dynamic preacher. We forgot. But Brother Woodward is so profound. Now, if you're asking me, I would tell you, he didn't say this, but I would tell you that Brother, that brother Shock also so profound. He, I believe, holds the office as a teacher. Obviously, our elders think so. That's why he is over teaching all of the globe, all of our missionaries, all over the world. He's teaching the leaders. He's teaching the pastors. He's teaching them. He's teaching lead pastors all over the United States. And he's leading LDI, which is the international leadership for all of our, of our missionaries. We just don't know what to do with the teacher. The teacher is divine, in, divinely instructing people. That's an office of a teacher. The next one up is the pastor or a pastor's. He gave pastors. This is Jeremiah 3.15. I'll give you pastors. This is a different one. According to my own heart. I, there was years ago, I don't even know. Some of you medical people might know, but that the ring finger here had a vein oddly enough, was connected all the way through the arm and it connected somehow to the heart. If that's true, you can, we can shout on the trivia. But the pastor, according to Jesus Christ himself in the book of Revelation, is the angel to the city, the pastor. He has a lifetime 
or he makes a lifetime commitment to the local body. We saw that when Paul admonished Timothy. And he said to Timothy, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Be a leader, example in conversation, conduct, deed, all the things that you do. Paul tells Timothy. And Paul establishes Timothy as a pastor. We know Paul is an apostle. All right, still, we're still going. Evangelist. Now, the evangelist is a different kind of a guy. Now, a lot of preachers are preachers, but they don't hold the office of an evangelist. They're just preaching the gospel. They're just a little bit more gifted in public speaking than the person who, who also spreads the gospel. But the preacher can be a preacher and not hold the office of an evangelist. We've had some evangelists come through and we've also had some preachers come through that were very good preachers, but they weren't, they didn't hold the office of an evangelist. They were preachers, but we called them evangelists because once again, we don't have good terms for all these people. And really they were circuit preachers, not circus, although that could be true. Charlie O'Rourke, kind of a kind of an odd dude you know he's come here a couple of times when he's not preaching and wearing a suit he has a batman t-shirt on you always like a marvel batman superman aquaman he gets his van drives down the road finds people tells them about jesus comes the last time i was here he had 15 of his own guests lined up right there on those pews that man is holding the office of an evangelist He is an evangelist. I've met some people who are preachers, good preachers, but they don't hold the office of the evangelist. The office of evangelist, now as you're looking through this, the teacher often uses a gift of the Spirit that we would identify as the word of knowledge. Not all the time, but a lot of times the teacher will use the word of knowledge as they're explaining a word of knowledge can come to the person they're teaching. The evangelist in office often uses the gift of faith. He speaks, I'm sorry, he, 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 he uses this gift of faith to promote the gospel. Every evangelist that I have ever heard that, that occupies the office of evangelist have used the gift of faith. Thus, David Smith walks into our church. He is absolutely without a doubt holding the office of an evangelist but he also has in the office of evangelist he also uses the gift of prophecy so if you so if you if you hear him every once in a while he'll break off in the gift of prophecy it's it's bizarre but these are the gifts of the spirit and they shouldn't be uncommon to us it's just that we don't always operate in that because we haven't prayed for them. And this is what we're trying to do here. We're trying to pray that the operation of the gifts of spirit, supernatural gifts, would be poured out and all of us would have them and we would use them diversely according to the body to profit the body. Everybody said amen. I want you to have it. Who wants to have it? Raise your hand if you want to be used in the gifts of spirit. Just keep your hand up right now and just say, Lord, I want to be used whatever you want me to use me in the gifts of the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. For the operation of the body. 
I want you to pray right now that when other people use it, pray, keep your hand up, that say it. When other people use the gifts, I won't be surprised and I won't live in doubt. Come on, pray, pray right now. We're going to reject doubt because the operation of the supernatural gifts are going to come in the church. We're going to receive all the gifts that are going to come from other people sitting around us. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, this is not, it's not hocus pocus. We're not, this is not, we're not ginning up something. We're not, this is not a hype. But God wants to pour out the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. Let me just tell you about the word of, of, of wisdom. It was a word of wisdom that came through, at that time, Heather uh, 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 Bates. Heather Bates. Are you in this room, Heather Bates? I saw her earlier. Heather Bates. Hi, Heather Bates. How long have you been coming to New Life, Heather? Call out. Do you know? Do you guys remember? How long? 16 years. Is that, are, you, are you dead set on that number? Could it be 15? Is it give or take three years? Okay. <laughs> it's good. We're just, we just want a round number. Mama Harpole, my mother, Rosalie, is writing her first book called Rosalie Serving Italian. She's been cooking for a long time. She has been reading, while she was writing, she was reading all of these cookbooks and how they operated. Mom has made phenomenal dishes. Basta with aigues, azitza, the homemade bread. Mom, let's talk about it. But she realized that one common thread in all the cookbooks is that they use cooking wine. Now I want to tell you right now. We didn't have any cooking wine in our house. We didn't have real wine. We didn't have any fake wine. We didn't have any near beer. We had nothing. If the grapes even came in, they didn't have a chance to spoil. They had nothing. Uh And she felt, "Mm, maybe I could just include cooking wine because all the alcohol was burned out. Maybe I should say, use a little cooking wine in this dish, even though she never used it. She is praying about this, and, and it's not a big thing, but she's toiling with it. It just so happened that the week before she came to visit, we were in the old building, I got up and told a story. I was preaching about the youth group going to St. Louis. I was young. I was about 17 or 18. Dad took all the youth workers of the church and some of the leaders to a real tall building where there was a wonderful um, Japanese restaurant and they cooked the food in front of you the big grill there and we all got settled in Diane Rome my friend was sitting next to me on on one side this side and mom was sitting on this side of me we were around the big table I think there was maybe 10 12 people there I had not eaten all day I was so hungry for that I wanted that fried rice and the guy flips the the all the knives and I just I didn't care if they stabbed him or not I just I had to get those food and they just brought out all these drinks for us. We didn't even order them. They brought out all the girls got these figurines with juice. Geisha. It looked like a geisha. Geisha. And all the guys got samurais. Samurais. And they had juice inside of them. And they had little straws. And everyone was appropriate but me. I was not appropriate. Because while they were all waiting on the food, I was thirsty. I drank my entire samurai Right as fast as I could. And I took Diane's, her geisha, and I drank all of hers. <laughs> now, I had never had alcohol before. And I had nothing to eat all day. And I drank that through my straw. And I leaned back in that chair. And 
everything was kind of going, whoo, whoo. I didn't really know what was happening. And I turned to my mother and I whispered, Mom, I think these things have alcohol in them. Oh, man. That was the wrong thing to say to her. And she said, oh. First, of course, she tells Bill, Dad, Bill, Jeffrey's drunk. (laughs) And she gets up on her chair like this. And she says, get the manager. Get all the people. Bill, pray. Pray for Jeffrey. Pray. Deliver him right now. We don't drink alcohol. Get this out of here. We got to get get all these geishas and samurais out of here. We got to Jeffrey, we got to have a deliverance. My mother is taking a stand when I'm a teenager. I survived, praise God. I didn't drive home. And I preached that because at some juncture, you know this. Now let me just deviate. You know at some po- point, you got to take a stand. You do know we're going to preach against that because social drinking is not appropriate or comely for the upright. You ought to stay away from everything that connects you to the world. Don't tell me that a little alcohol is good for you. It's going to destroy you and your family and your wives and your children and your husbands. I don't think the people of God ought to be sitting around with glasses of wine at the restaurant. The Bible says to avoid the very appearance of evil. And Paul said, neither give place to the devil. Don't even open up the door. The grapes get moldy. Go ahead and throw them away too. And this has been a long time ago. And Heather Bates was new Christian. She was hearing stuff for the first time she had never heard before. And my mom's on the second pew. And the word of wisdom to a new convert started to come out of Heather's mouth. She didn't even know it was the word of wisdom. Boom. And it was mixed with the fourth telling. And she came to my mother and she said, Sister Harpole. I want to thank you for how you raised your son. Oh, yes. And the stand that you took against alcohol way back when. And the moment the word of wisdom came about the stand she took when I was 17 gave witness to what my mother should do with the cooking wine in her cookbooks. If you think that someone has to have a long tenure in the church to use the gifts of spirit. You don't understand the gifts of the spirit. Anybody who is filled with the Holy Ghost can be used in the operation of the gifts. We just don't recognize what they are. Let me just tell you that the gifts of the spirit want to be manifest in everybody. They want to come out of your mouth. They want to minister to the people. It was a confirmation because the word of wisdom. Wisdom was an impartation from God through Heather over to mom. Amen. So I come back to this evangelist. He evangelizes with the gospel. He is an office. He is an officer. He holds the office. New souls are born of the kingdom. And almost always, he, like the teacher, inspires people to evangelize or to witness or to have faith. Then comes the prophet. 
The prophets, this, this sounds simplistic, but it's not. They speak in prophetic terms because they have the office of the prophet. In the Old Testament, they were the last line of defense. Every time I go up to Mount Carmel when I'm in Israel, I remember what the guide said to us the first time I went. When all the armies failed and all the governments failed and all the magistrates were corrupted and all the people were wailing in sin and mired in all that, the prophets became the last line of defense. Prophetic. The prophetic. He is a prophet because he holds the office of a prophet. We're going to get to this. The apostle is a little different. Now, let me just tell you about the... Let's go back up to the teacher. The teacher is relational. But he is instructional. The pastor is an interesting lot. If you look again at the scripture, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some pastors and some evangelists and... Some pastors and teachers, rather. Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists. And here's the last one. And some pastors and teachers. All pastors are given to teach. But all teachers are not given to pastor. So that's why at the end, so we could say that there's four, but really there's five because you can be a teacher and not a pastor. But all pastors are going to have to be, invariably, they're going to have to be teachers. Because, because Paul committed, feed the flock over the which the Lord has made you overseers. So there is teaching involved in the scripture. Everybody with me now? So, so the teacher is relational. He's communicational. The pastor is relational. But he is also emotional. There is an emotional attachment. Okay? The teacher may not always be emotionally attached as the office. The evangelist, he is inspiring. He inspires. He promotes faith. The evangelist is, it can, can be even more gregarious than the rest of them because he is the open arms. He wants to draft everybody in. He is often exciting. He, he must, by virtue of his office, bring a level of heighten, a level of awareness for the lost and for the church to inspire laborers in the field. He is the evangelist. He evangelizes. He goes further. Here's the hand, the digger, the pinky, the married finger, the pastor. The evangelist goes further. The pointing prophet, foretelling and forthtelling, and the apostle. So, the evangelist is gregarious. He's got to be that guy. When we have an evangelist in here, a.k.a. Greg Godwin, <laughs> he is inspiring. Now, some of those men that I've listed, they also have some of the gifts of the Spirit that are operating, like all of us should. When you get to the prophet, the Bible says a man, no one should call himself a prophet. So no prophet can be self-declared. A pastor can be and a teacher can be, but a prophet should not. Go ask God. Prophets are almost never warm and cuddly. And the, one of the reasons why many people reject the prophet is because they want everyone to act like the pastor. Emotional, relational, communicative. But the prophet, Brother Stone King, some others that I know, they're quirky. They're odd. They're even given to great depression. Go see Elijah in the cave. Fire comes down from heaven 
Everybody is killed. He, he, he kills 850 false prophets of Baal and of the groves and of Jezebel. And the next scene, he's running down the mountain, but he hears a word. He hears the sound of abundance of rain when there's no rain, no clouds in the sky. But he hears a messenger that within 24 hours, Jezebel's going to kill him. And so he goes, hides in a cave because he gets depressed. And then he says to God, I'm the only one that's serving you. And the Lord said, well, no, you're not really. I got seven other 7,000 more guys just like you that never bowed to Baal. I get said, you're not unique. <laughs> so the, a, a prophet, the prophet is different. They're prickly. They're, they're odd. I, I spent some time uh, with Patty Wallace who showed me a bunch of things in scripture about the prophets and their peculiar behavior. And how that the modern church doesn't know how to handle the prophet because they get very concerned. <laughs> the office of the prophet. This is the office of the prophet. It's not being used in the gift of the prophet, prophecy. It's a different vibe because they live in that. Like I am living in the office of a pastor. I was called to be a pastor when I was 14 years old. I know the day that the Lord called me. But my mother will tell you that I was called from the womb. Like Paul said, I was called from my mother's womb. My mother will tell you that's how I was identified early on in my childhood. Then comes the apostle. You don't know this name, really. Some of you may know Benny DeMerchant. Benny DeMerchant evangelized, preached, established hundreds of churches in Brazil for decades the country of Brazil. When he died, there was around 200,000 of his converts. He taught and, and raised up over 1,800 licensed preachers and countless other preachers that were not licensed with, within an organization. He's the only man in Brazil that was an American that had his face on his own postage stamp. He learned how to fly a propeller plane and went to places no one else could go. And he'd land his plane in little river, little river beds and creek beds. And he would preach to villagers and different towns. He was an apostle. He was an apostle to the country of Brazil. An apostle forges new areas like Lewis and Clark. An apostle establishes pastors. An apostle establishes teachers. It could be that the apostle has been used in at least three of the five gift of five offices. He doesn't have to have been gift been used in, in the office of the prophet, but the apostle opens the door for the prophet. The prophet cannot get to where he needs to get without the apostle opening the door for him because the apostle is establishing new territory. We would even call it in a war a beachhead. He is storming areas. He's establishing an apostle. Now we've got problems today because we're throwing around the term bishop and no one even knows what that means. Bishop is a bishop. Bishop of what? Well, he was elected bishop. Well, you don't get elected bishop. Some men are appointed bishops. What are you? I'm a bishop. Bishop of what? Who? That's what I am. I'm bishop. Well, anyone now can declare themselves a bishop. Queen Latifah got her license to marry people. I don't even know if you, you know who that is, but it doesn't matter. She's not a preacher. She's not a pastor. She's not a reverend. So terms can be given to anyone. You can print anything on a business card. It doesn't make you that thing that you printed. 
Well, if you're... Let's just go on. The apostle serves. He establishes new pastorships. And he also oversees other ministries. It very well could be that he's been a teacher, a pastor, and an evangelist. He doesn't have to be. But he has certainly been at least a pastor and a teacher by virtue of his pastorship. And he establishes other pastors, an apostle, an apostle to an area. I believe that all these five offices still exist today. There is argumentation against it. But I believe that there are still apostles and there are still prophets. I would reject the idea that there are no more prophets if we still, if we still could agree that there are new pastors and that there are evangelists and teachers. How could there only be three of the five? But there is an argument among church people that there are no more prophets. That's not, it can't be. And there's an argument among some, some church people that there are no more apostles, that the only apostles were the apostles in the New Testament. I would argue against that because if he gave the, this fivefold ministry and three or four of the five are still being renewed or established, surely the apostleship is also being established. Now, there are 12 apostles with names written on the 12 foundations of heaven. We do know that. So no other names get entered there. We do know that. We do know that in the Old Testament, when one of the disciples slash apostles would die, that Peter would quote the Old Testament when he said that his bishopric would be passed to another. So when Judas committed suicide, hung himself, it broke and he fell headlong and sorry to be grossed out, but all his bowels gushed out. So says the Bible. Peter knew there was a unity problem and that there had to be a completion because the number 12 is, is divine completion. The number 10 is divine governance. The number 7 is divine perfection. The number 5 is divine grace. The number 6 is the number of man. So Peter knew that 11 was not right either by inspiration of the Holy Ghost or by his own knowledge that Jesus had already said while he was traveling with him the 12 apostles will be on the 12 foundations of heaven and we find that out in the Bible so they cast lots and they picked someone he said who always went in and out among us and the lot fell on Matthias so the apostles are established and they are the writers and the leaders. And we are founded upon the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. However, even though the Bible is not being written today in the form that we read it, I still believe that there are apostles living among us here on this earth right now. So you may find writings that oppose that, but then they're wrong. So just stop listening to them. Okay, I don't know. You can, you can decide if you want it, it, it's not going to count. You won't, you won't miss the rapture. But I just think that I've made the case. So a few notes here. You can be used in a gift, any of the nine gifts, without occupying the office. Through the years, many people have been misled into believing that they occupied the office because they were used strongly in one or more of the gifts of the supernatural gifts. You don't have to be in the office to be used in one of the supernatural gifts. You could have the word of wisdom... And, and not be used in the office of a teacher. The word of knowledge. You have the gift of prophecy and not be a prophet. But you, that's what you do. Because God gives you the supernatural gift. Now I just want you to know, in the Old Testament, if the prophet made a mistake, they stoned him. 
So before you decide that you're going to be using the gift of prophecy, try not to make a mistake. Or as one young man did when he got up to preach, he said, he called out someone and said, uh, are you having back trouble? You're having back trouble. And the guy said, no. Yeah, you're, you're back. Is someone over here having back trouble? No, no. Is anybody having back trouble? No. And then his next statement was revealing. Well, I'm new at this, he said. <laughs> it's not a practice for him. Practice, you go to your doctor. He's practicing. We don't practice. So if you're going to be using the gift of prophecy, you're either a prophet or you're not a prophet. Or if you're being used in the gift of prophecy, that's a supernatural gift. If it's a supernatural gift, it means it came from God and God won't be wrong. This is in the same vein as to why I rarely use the terms, it is the will of God. Before we say, that's the will of God. It's the will of God. Be careful before you say that because you better know it's the will of God before you utter to someone else, this is the will of God. I can tell you the will of God, but it's usually general. The will of God is for you to come to church. The will of God is for you to stay loyal to your wife and your husband. The will of God is for you not to destroy your body with all kinds of junk in the world. That's the will of God because the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renew of your mind. That you may be able to prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. So... Those are easy things. They're general. But if you say it's the will of God for you to quit, quit your job and go work over at over the factory, well, you better be careful. And anyone, and I've heard this, oh, Lord, someone say to them, I have a word from God for you. And they thought they were going to be using it. You need to divorce your spouse. That is not the will of God. No one should ever say something like that. Ugh. I've heard a bunch of junk, but let's not go to the junk. Let's go to the good part. I like the good part. These supernatural gifts, and I'm on your page because I can't deviate. They're used for the sake of the body at the appointed times by the Holy Spirit. He knows when they should be used. While a person may be used in a specific gift, that does not mean that they monopolize. They don't own the gift. This means that the gifts are for the health and the ministry of the church, not for personal gain or private, private consumption. No one has the gift of prophecy so they know which lottery number to pick. No one has the gift of interpretation just so they can keep it to themselves. It also means that, that more than one, perhaps many, may be using the same gifts in the body, although it comes from the same spirit and they can't be contradictory. Okay? So let's just finish out the gift of prophecy because it's a spoken gift and these are utterances. It will follow the pattern of 1 Corinthians 14.3 because we have to stay in the word. Everyone said amen. amen. Communication. It's communication. Prophecy is not to be held back. You have to speak it to someone or to several. Edification. It's for edification. Edifying is to build up, to edify. Exhortation is to exhort. The prophetic word exhorts. And finally, according to 1 Corinthians 14, these utterances are also to give comfort unto men or comfort unto people. Amen. Here's a couple of misnomers of the gift of prophecy. One of the misnomers is that they replace or the replacement of the preached word. This is not true. In fact, in some cases, the word prophecy means preaching. Genesis, I'm sorry, Acts 19. Paul laid his hands on them. They spake in tongues. And the Bible says they spake in tongues and prophesied. 
that could very well be interpreted as they spake in tongues and began to preach. The other misnomer, number two, is that prophecy is always for open correction in the church. It's not always for open correction of the church. Open correction of the church. Be very careful, and I really should have written always. It's not always for that. Now, when Peter openly rebuked Ananias and Sapphira, he was forth-telling. He said, you've lied to the Holy Ghost. That was a present, in the present prophecy. You lied to the Holy Ghost. Of course, that prophetic word caused them to die. And that spurred on a great revival. We might be a few good deaths away from revival. And everybody just said, nothing. Not me, Lord. (laughs) Number three. It requires personal insight. That's not true. Personal insight. In fact, the gift of prophecy requires the absence of personal insight. Prophecy means that you're speaking something that God spoke to you that you could not have knowledge of. Or it's not prophecy. It might be intuition. Don't confuse intuition with prophecy. I perceive. You can perceive. When when Paul said to the men on Athens, Mars Hill, he said, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. He didn't have to be a prophet to know that. They all had, they had gods, idols. And then there's another God with the title to the unknown God. And he stands around and says, look at it. I perceive you're too superstitious. Well, I guess so. I guess so. I don't know who told me, but, but you know, people get all kinds of stuff. One man decided, I don't want to leave anybody out. So he bought a rosary. Not even, not even Catholic. It's hung it on the wall. He said, I didn't want to leave anybody out. Well, that's superstition. You can perceive things. I perceive things. Many times I perceive things. But it's not the gift of prophecy. Sometimes you can perceive things and it not be the gift of discernment. It's just age. Just time, I don't know. Gray hair, being around people. You can, you can tell things from your own senses. I, you don't have the gift of discernment to know someone has halitosis. What? So I don't want you to act like super spiritual people when it's just your natural instinct to know what's going on. Okay. But I also want you to know that prophetic words can come out of your mouth to someone else, a prophetic word from God to you for the benefit of someone else. And it can happen in a group, to the whole church, or one-on-one. Don't be afraid of that. If you are born again of the water and the spirit, you all you have to do is pray and God gives the gifts severally as he will for the benefit of the body. Amen. Everyone said amen. Amen. I want you just to put your pins down and clap your hands to the Lord because you believe the word of God is true. Come on, everybody. Hallelujah. Uh-huh. 
I feel the Holy Ghost in this house right now. Come on, just entertain him. Just say, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your spirit. Let the same spirit flow over this body right now, I pray. Let the church experience the supernatural gifts of your grace that you're going to give to us, Lord. I rebuke fear and doubt out of this house, Lord. We are receiving this and accepting it. it is for the church. These are tools for your people to minister to one another and to understand what the word has to say, Lord, I pray. You said in the last days you'd pour out your spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and on my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days and they shall prophesy. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. 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 I believe that people can come into the church and give us a word. I believe they can. I believe people can give you a word that you didn't know. You didn't know them. However, I want to caution you. The Bible says, know them that labor among you. It can happen, but I caution you. We, we try to host great men and great women of God that we know. Because we want men and women of integrity to take up the microphone. But there have been times that preachers didn't speak the word but i've stood in this place over the last even six months and and heard the voices of the worship leaders pause in between songs and give a word and i thought that is the word for the church i don't know if everyone realizes it but sometimes when there's a pause and and one of the singers begins to exhort the other day i don't know maybe a couple months ago uh a Kara was speaking the word and as she was speaking the word and then they started to sing again man there was a power in her voice it, it's a it's a soprano voice you know it's a nice voice it's not a preacher voice it, she hasn't smoked any cigarettes you know she didn't gravelly like that you know she says nice white but man that power that was coming through her I don't know if you understand it but sometimes people speak they don't have to stand in this pulpit they were, she was speaking a word it was a supernatural gift that was being used at the moment and several people heard it and found it, but you may not have identified it. God wants to do that in this house. It doesn't have to be me. I'm not, I'm not the, the curator of the spiritual gifts. <laughs> I preach the word. And if the spiritual gifts come out of me, which they have, praise God that they come out of me, but they can come out of you too. I occupy an office, but we are all the collective body of Jesus Christ. You can go boldly before the throne of grace all by yourself. God can endow you with the supernatural gifts all by yourself. Even where you are, he wants to give you the supernatural gifts. Inside into the word. Now I'm getting to this thing, the misnomers. And the, finally, of prophecy, it is the greatest of the supernatural gifts. Do not believe that that is not true. That is not true. All the gifts are great. They're supernatural. Now I'm just talking about the last two and they are combined together as kind of like a husband and wife team to produce something beautiful. And they are tongues and then the interpretation of tongues. So we're just talking about a little bit of this here. That tongues are diverse tongues. There's a few things we have to consider. The first matter to consider is the difference between the evidence of the new birth experience, which are tongues, found in Acts 2, 8, 10, 19. I didn't list all the scriptures, but it was the prophetic word of, of, of 
Isaiah 28, that with stammering lips and another tongue, God will speak to and through his people with stammering lips and another tongue. When Jesus said, go to Jerusalem, John baptized with water, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Tongues was the initial sign of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. Tongues. How do, they, how do you know you have the Holy Ghost? You know it because you're speaking in other tongues. Tongues is the outward manifestation of the inward infilling or the inward endowment of the Holy Spirit when you speak in other tongues. That is the birth, that the sign of the birth. Like a baby crying, when that baby, when she comes out of her mother's womb, she cries, we know she is alive. That is the initial sign and it, it coincides with the gospel message, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul said, I want to remind you of the gospel. What's the gospel? He said how Jesus died, how he was buried, how he, how he rose again. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. I don't have to create my own definition of the gospel. The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. How did the priests become obedient to the gospel in the New Testament? How did the people become obedient to the gospel? How do you become obedient to his death, burial, and resurrection? Death is to die out or to repent. Burial is in water. See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Ethiopian eunuch said. Ananias said to Paul, but when he was converted, see, here is water. Be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. They were all baptized. The Great Commission is to teach and baptize. Teach. So if the Great Commission is to baptize, what did Jesus say? Verily, verily, I say unto you, Nicodemus, except a man be born again of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter or see the kingdom of heaven. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. What did Jesus say in Mark chapter 16, verse 16? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He did not say, he that believes is saved and then sometime later get baptized. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So, baptism... There's two forms of baptism, water and spirit. John 3, water and spirit. Always water and spirit. On the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they were baptized in Jesus' name. It happened in Acts chapter 10 to the house of Cornelius. Remember, the Jews found salvation in Acts 2. The Samaritans found the salvation in Acts 8. They were half-breeds, half-Jew, half-Gentile, didn't have a place in this world. Jews, Samaritans, Acts 10 is the Gentile. It's opened the door to all of us. And at each juncture, they were all baptized in the Holy Ghost and baptized in water in Jesus' name. While Peter yet spake these words, Acts chapter 10, go read it for yourself. The Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And Peter turns to the Jews that have come with them and said, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Here's the next verse. For he heard them speak with tongues. How do you know you get the Holy Ghost? You speak in other tongues. Tongues is the, the new birth resurrection. Death, burial, resurrection. That's the gospel. Now, we call it the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's just call it the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So we need to distinguish between the gift of tongues and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Here's what we know. Everybody that Paul wrote to after the book of Acts were already baptized with the Holy Ghost. He was not writing to the unbeliever, to the church at Rome. 
to the church at Galatia, to the church at Corinth, to the church at Ephesus. Read it. Read in your Bible. All the epistles were written to the church or to the brethren. They were written to people who were already saved. Where do we find people actually being saved? They were saved in the book of Acts. They were saved in the book of Acts. If you want to know where people were actually saved, born again, they were born again in the book of Acts. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels begin the New Testament according to your Bible. But a Gospel is a Testament. It's the New Testament. The Testament doesn't really start until the death of the testator. So if you really want to be technical, the New Testament doesn't begin until the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John when Jesus died. How are we doing? <laughs> All right, we're, we're trying to get to tongues, the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues, when I tell everyone, let's speak in tongues, that's not the gift of tongues. That's the Holy Ghost, and you're letting the Holy Ghost flow out of you. The gift of tongues is a little bit different. It's when God endows you with a spiritual gift of tongues. So first you've got tongues that reveal the Holy Spirit in filling. Now you've got tongues in self-edification, as Paul would write, that sometimes when we're speaking in tongues, we edify ourselves. I, for a, I don't have a better word. I'm not, I'm not always happy about the word. I, sometimes people misuse it. And they make it kind of spooky. But it's a prayer mode. Okay? It's a prayer mode. People are in a prayer mode. I'm praying for everybody. People come down. I pray. Sometimes I speak in tongues. But usually when I'm praying for somebody, I speak words. Because if you just speak in tongues when you're praying for someone, you only edify yourself, Paul said. But it's okay to edify yourself. It's not, it's not discouraged. Pray when you're praying. Sometimes I pray out loud. Sometimes I just pray speaking in tongues because I'm, I'm, the Spirit makes, makes intercession for me with groanings that cannot be uttered. The Holy Ghost inside of me is helping me. When people come to the altar, I pray for them. I do many things with them. If their tie is crooked, I straighten their tie out. If they're not healed, at least they look good when they go back. Praise the Lord. Well, just a little joke, but it's true. Okay. Okay. So, when you pray... You can speak in tongues. This is self-edification. Now comes the gift of tongues, which we really need to zero in. The third use of the gift of tongues is for the express purpose of interpretation. The gift of tongues is given by God so that it could be interpreted. It's a heavenly language. 1 Corinthians 13 says that tongues are the tongues of men and of angels. It's not in your handout. The tongue of men and of angels. Now, not every tongue... Is, a, is an earthly tongue. I've spoken tongues and I was speaking in fluent Japanese. It happened when we were evangelizing. I was in Bossier City. At the end of a sermon, I began to speak in tongues. I began to speak. I didn't know that I was speaking in Japanese, but a lady had lived in Jap Japan for 38 years. Her husband had been in the military. She spoke fluent Japanese. She was, she was afraid that she was all alone and God had left her. She came up afterwards and she said, thank you for what you said. And I said, what did I say? She said, I speak fluent Japanese, and when you, were, when you were speaking in tongues, you spoke in fluent Japanese, and you said, I haven't left you. I know exactly where you are. Your ministry is not over. All the things she had asked before she got to church. 
I answered that, the Lord answered that through me, I didn't know, in Japanese. When I was in Russia in 1991, I only learned one, in 92, I only had one phrase, which meant I don't understand. All the Russians would talk to me, I'd say, I don't understand. But in a place called Boksitogorsk, we were the first Americans on that soil. And when at the end of that, that, that time, that rally, one of the young girls was praying and she was praying in English. It was awesome to hear. She said in English as if she had a Midwestern accent, praise be to the almighty God. Jesus is God. God is Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And then I went over to her and said, hey, I'm so glad to speak to someone who understands English. And she said to me, I don't understand. And then we realized as our interpreter came over, she does not speak English. She knows no words in English. None. No words in English. Brother Bernard wrote that when he was a young boy, one of the men there was in Korea, in South Korea. As he was sitting there with his parents that were missionaries in South Korea, the man received the Holy Ghost and said in English, Jesus is coming back very soon. Jesus is coming back very soon. When he was done speaking in tongues, he did not know one word in English. So sometimes... Just as it was on Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, they heard them speak. They said, how hear we every man in our own language where we were born? Are these all not Galileans? And here they are, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers of Mesopotamia and Pontus and Phrygia and Camphylia and parts about Cyrene and Asia. We hear them speak the wonderful works of God. But sometimes those are the tongues of angels, 1 Corinthians 13, tongues of men and of angels. Cannot, cannot be understood. When you get to the, are, are you still, did I go too quick? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I go fast. It just, it depends on how much coffee I had right before I got here. When, when I get to the gift of tongues, that's a supernatural gift, much like prophecy. You didn't learn that. You weren't prepared for it. It just happened on the moment in the spot. You didn't come to church saying, I'm going to do this. It happened and it happens in the body. The third use is for the express purpose of interpretation. Anytime there is the gift of tongues, it ought to be followed with interpretation. This is neither for evidence of the Holy Ghost or for private prayer. This type of utterance is a spiritual gift occurring in the midst of the body as a sign from God that he wants to speak directly to his church in that given moment. Read the scripture. Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, he says. Now, if you read 1 Corinthians, there's a little rebuke in it. There's some rebuke in these verses, but there's also instruction. Seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. That's why when tongues go forth, we pause and pray. Let there be interpretation. Let there be interpretation. Here's verse 27. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two. Or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. If there be no interpreter, then let him keep silent, church, and let him speak to God, to himself and to God. So if there's no interpreter, then maybe it's not time for you to have the gift of tongues. So you may not know that until after it happens. But that's why we pray, let there be an interpretation. Let there be an interpretation. See, we ought to be coming, asking God, Lord, we want you to have free reign and free will. We don't want... There have been times when someone had the interpretation, but they were afraid. Several times, people have come up to me later and said, I was so afraid. 
I, I want to say I was so afraid. There have been times we waited for minutes on end until finally there was an interpretation by someone and someone else came and said, I had that exact word, but I was afraid to say it. And I said, you were the one who was supposed to say it, but because you held your peace, God gave it to someone else. And they were crying. They said, I can't believe it. Exactly what that other person said. That's what I had in my mind to say, but I was afraid. Fear has stopped a lot of the gifts, supernatural gifts of the Spirit. And then comes the final, the interpretation of tongues. It's the last gift of utterance. And it always occurs in the midst of the body. The gift of interpretation is not a private gift. It happens within the body. It's happened at small groups. It's happened in prayer meetings. It's happened in some of your teaching sessions when you have at your own home. It's happened in the, in the midst of our body of our church. It's not the only gift. But let me just give you what usually happens in the process of the gift of interpretation. First, when we hear tongues, the gift of tongues, those of you who are perceptive will suddenly be quiet, even if you're speaking in tongues or worshiping. I don't know how I learned this. Maybe it was my dad. I'm not sure. Maybe it was God. Maybe it was my mom. Probably it was my mom. But I recognize the gift of tongues, and I will often say, let's wait on the Lord. That's my cue for all the church to stop the music, stop dancing, stop speaking. We're going to wait on the Lord and pray. Let's wait on the Lord. Tongues are coming forth. Sometimes the body is attuned when tongues, when the gift of tongues come out and someone's voice is elevated a little bit, it sounds different. Who knows that? It feels different. It's a different feeling. I've heard people speak in tongues, but there's a difference in the atmosphere when God gives the supernatural gifts, gift of tongues. We shouldn't be afraid of that. I remember standing with one of my friends when that happened and I invited him to church and I, he said, what's going on? I said, well, well, this is what happens in the Bible that God speaks and we're just going to wait and hear what someone has to say and this is the Lord. We just have to trust that this is God. So when you're bringing a friend and, you, and they hear this for the first time, it's a little disconcerting. But of course, screaming Italian preachers are troubling too. So, you know, you're in the Pentecostal church. This is in the scripture. So tongues arrest the attention. Everyone say the attention. The attention of the body. The gift of tongues arrest the attention of the body. Uh-oh, wake up. Wake up. Now I have been in a meeting where, and I'm sorry to report, the church body was so carnal that the gift of tongues was being poured out. And in that particular revival, the gift of tongues were being poured out and a woman was speaking under the unction of the Holy Spirit in a supernatural way and nobody stopped. And I will tell you, they were carnal, they were filled with flesh. They had no sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. We're battling this today in America. We're battling carnality and flesh like never before. The devil doesn't even have to, he don't have to possess anybody. We are so filled with carnality, so filled with flesh. We got to kill flesh and get back to the spirit. 
Somebody say yes. Somebody say amen. Somebody do something because we got to get back to spiritual things. We're a spiritual people. If, if anyone accuses you of just being a spiritual goody or spiritual tissue, you, you say, thank God. I'd rather, be, I'd rather be over spiritual than over carnal. What's wrong with being spiritual? Somebody, somebody tell me, what's wrong with being spiritual? What's wrong with thinking about God? What's wrong with not knowing all the news and everything that's going on in the world? It's okay to know stuff, but, but, but don't be out of balance. Lord help me. Okay. So number two, the second thing that happens is the spirit of reverence enters the body. And it pauses people to listen. It's a spirit of reverence. Now, spirit of reverence is also lost among many people. People are not reverent. Did you fill in all your blanks just now? Oh, goodness, I wish I'd have left one out. <laughs> click, 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 click. I guess we're done. All right, good night. The spirit of reverence is often lost. And then finally, there is a, an interpretation. It is an understandable interpretation spoken to the body. And that is what happens in the joining of the gifts of tongues, the gift of tongues, and the gift of interpretation. And it can happen in the same person, with the same person, or several different people. Because the gifts, the gift of tongues could be given by several different people, up to three people. Okay. But, but of that, I would promote an interpretation. And so... Let the interpretation come forward. I don't know why there, there's another person give, giving the gift of tongues. It might be that possibly that, 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 there is, that, that there is fear or apprehension. And just so everyone knows, it's not word for word. It's not word for word. It's not, you know. We were trying to figure this out. We were kids. Now, I don't, see, I don't, see, some of you don't know this. But when you grow up in the church... You think about stuff that other people don't think about. I mean, the guy said like two, three words. Fa-la-la, something. And then the person interpreting was like, man, they were writing a book. It's like five, like, like five minutes of interpretation. And we thought, how can they get so much out of fa-la-la? I've heard other people go on and on and on. I'm sitting there waiting for them to get done. Tongues, interpretation, tongues, interpretation. And now the interpreter says, Thus saith the Lord, I love thee with a pure heart. That's it. Like, surely there was more to it than that. You left a lot out. Man, they were speaking in tongues for 15 minutes. I love thee with a pure heart. We had to wade through all that stuff. See, I don't know. See, when you're growing up in the church, you think about all this stuff. It's not word for word. Don't calculate. Well, it should be longer or shorter. Forget about that. It's the Holy Ghost saying something to the body. And the Lord wants to say something to the body. He uses the word and he uses the gifts of the spirit to speak to the people of the body. He uses the body to minister to the body because there's no medicine in this world greater than the medicine already found in your body. The antibodies that your body produces are greater than all the medications of the world. 
You have natural endorphins in your body that will release in times of pain and suffering to, to give you a natural antiseptic. Your body can heal itself and it's doing it right now. Your cells are replenishing all the time. This body, this church body, has enough power to minister to itself. We don't have to look outside. We don't have to look for all the doctors. We, we have enough people that can counsel and love and nurture and restore in the body. The body has the power. The body is given supernatural gifts for the edification of the body. God did not leave us empty-handed. In fact, he said, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to send the comforter. But the comforter, when he's come, the spirit of truth, he'll lead you and guide you into all truth. He said, I'm not going to leave you helpless. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to make sure you are complete in me. He didn't leave anything out. He didn't leave anything absent. He didn't, we're not suffering in this house. If we're all become obedient and we have an Acts chapter 1 unity moment, if we all get in unity, then we're going to have an explosion of Pentecost and Acts 2 will open up like this in this, in this church. And on the day of Pentecost, we were all with one accord in one place. I wonder what would happen if we all got in one accord in one place and the supernatural gifts began to be poured out. One more time, stand up and just say, Lord, help us to be in unity and use me for your glory. I'm seeking the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, worship him. Hallelujah. It's the highest praise. I worship you. I praise God. I praise the Lord. Let my voice praise him. Lord, I pray in earnest, Lord, let the supernatural gifts flow over me, Lord. Let discerning of spirits come to lead me and to protect me so I have understanding. Let the word of knowledge come out of my mouth, Lord, so I can help my brother and know. Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, for the gift of tongues to be spread out throughout this church and also accompany with that. Let the gift of interpretation come without fear and without rebuttal and without hesitation. I pray let the gift of prophecy be uttered among the people, Lord. Let the gift of prophecy among all the people. Let the people foretell according to your divine word, Lord. Let it be that we're not, neither afraid but we're reverent, Lord. Let it be, Lord, that we're bold but we're respectful, I pray. Let these spiritual gifts be poured out. Let the power gifts be poured out, Lord. Let the gift of faith and the gift of healing and the working of miracles be broadcast throughout this entire entire Wabash Valley and all the places where we live I pray let the nine gifts of the supernatural be poured out among the body this body in this house and outside of this house in homes where people gather where several people are gathered I pray let these gifts be broadcast and used for your glory Hallelujah, hallelujah. Just put your hand on your neighbor and just pray for them right now. Lord, use my friend. My, my friend, my neighbor, my husband, my wife, my relative, my brother, my sister is going to be used for your glory. We are going to be a spiritual people. Pray this prayer. Lord, help us to be powerful in the word and powerful in the spirit. The Bible is promoting the laying on of hands. You're laying on of hands right now, I pray. Pray that they would be endued with supernatural power from on high.
I want everyone to know, here's your word. There's a fight over your soul. There's a fight over your soul. I can't teach anything like this without there be a fight. You're going to leave here and the spirit of doubt is going to come right in your mind. And you're going to think, I don't know if that can happen to me. I rebuke that right now in Jesus' name. Don't let the spirit of doubt. I just want to say to everybody who's here, this is your church. This is your house. You don't have to be perfect to come to this house. You just have to get to this place. God can do a miraculous thing in your life. He wants to do it. Invest your time here in this house. And invest your time in the word at your home. Amen. Amen. Don't let the devil drive a wedge between me and you or the word in you or faith in you or what God wants to do. Don't let that happen. Anytime the word is taught like this, there is immediate response in hell. I'm happy if the devil knows my name. I want him to know me. I want him to have my address. Because the seven sons of Sceva came to cast out a devil. And Sceva said, Jesus, I know the source. Paul, we know the receptor. But we don't know you. It's good if the devil knows my name. I want him to know who I am and where I live. Because I'm after him. Because greater is he that is within me than he that's in the world. I've come to subdue principalities and powers. I'm come to put the devil under my feet. You have to do that too. We are going to be endowed with supernatural gifts. God has given you the power and the authority over every principality and power of the world. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name. I love you. I've taught too long. But, and I, I, I don't apologize, but I, did, I do apologize halfway, a little. I barely apologize. You're probably going to stand around and talk for 15 minutes. I love you. Love one another. Hug everyone. Greet them in Jesus' name. I'll see you Sunday.